Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Gary, and welcome to the second season of It's Personal. Okay, good. This is going to be really dope, but I don't want any <laughs> Kwame Mbalia. I'm an author. I'm Padma Venkatraman, the author of The Bird Home. Sure, yeah. My name's Natasha um, Diaz. Code switching and all those things. I mean, all, all that. All the time. I mean, he's still on the road all the time, but you know, like, as a new mom. The relationship that I had cultivated from there. I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> this is amazing. This is so fun. I'll never forget, I was in college and I was about to graduate. And I don't know if they still do this, but they have a, a, a network that calls graduating seniors and they, they do a survey online with, or over the phone with you. And they ask you a bunch of questions to determine what would be a good career path for you. Mm-hmm. So they asked me all these questions and I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. I was like, what? Hey, listen, you know, <laughs> you know I, I came from Red Hook. I was singing the song, Cash Rules Everything Around Me, Cream Get The Money. I was like, whatever's going to make me some money, you know? And I went through all the questions, and at the end, the person on the line said, you know what would be the perfect job for you? You're a teacher. Uh, and when wow. I heard it, you know how you hear something, but you're not ready for it? Mm-hmm. I heard it, and I wasn't ready for it. So I came out and I started working in Wall Street. I, started, I worked right across the street from the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers, for Lehman Brothers. And I was working there and I hated it. I was making a lot of money, but I hated it. And I remember I was invited to guest speak at a career day at a school. My body electrified with enthusiasm and energy. I felt like I was bathing in the rivers of Jordan. I felt like I was home. and that's when I had realized that I need to use the teaching degree that I got at Vassar and get back into the workforce. Wow. So plus wow. 20 years later, you know, that, that person was right. That's and it all started with my mom, my mom, watching my mom be community oriented, being rooted in the community. And how You're humble rooted. is she like to, she's just doing it. She doesn't even know that she, well, she, she she's just doing it to do it. Like she, she's a good right. person. Like she's looking out for right. people, right? Yes. Like, is something about like I don't know people like that like they they're not born every day like you don't find those people every day um, yep. because to leave that type of legacy where people will continue to remember you forever and the impact that they've had on you yeah that's crazy that is crazy and you know it always was wild about my mom is my mom has built in the luxury for her to be that way mm-hmm. because other people can do um other people could be her she could be yoda because other people could be her darth vader let me give you an example my mom she used to always tell me um what happens if someone strikes your cheek and i said well if someone strikes my cheek you gotta fight back she said no 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 the bible says if someone strikes your cheek you got to give them the other cheek. My mom is a pacifist, right? Wow. My sisters are not pacifists. They're like, <laughs> I pass this fist across your face. <laughs> so my mom, she built my sisters into being this battalion, this army that would protect me and go out there and literally fist fight for me. So my mom could be Gandhi. She could be, listen, 
You have to talk it out. And then she tell my sisters, go see what happened with Tori. And then my sisters would go out there and scrap. <laughs> so she had a little bit of little bit of Malcolm and a little bit of Martin. <laughs> oh, oh yes, you got it right there. She's a mix. You remember, remember Spike Lee? <laughs> Do the right thing with Martin. Malcolm. That's it. My mom is Malcolm and Martin. That's awesome. Oh my god. I was with my mom in Red Hook not too long ago. And the and this guy called her the Don Corleone. It's a mobster, Don Corleone. Called her the Don Corleone of Red Hook. And she laughed it off like, ah. but truthfully, she was so rooted in the community and service that a lot of the dudes, a lot of the um, women who were doing things where you don't want to cross their path, you don't want to step on their sneakers, they loved my mom and they were going to no ends for my mom. Of course they did. Of course they so, did. This is one of the reasons why she's called the Dawn Corleone Red. <laughs> and then it goes to show also how you talked about that village. Like they knew what your mom was about. And that reach itself, it's, without even saying, they knew what you were going to be about, at least, right? So it helped. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. There, there, there are a bunch of stories that um, I can't share. <laughs> now but but later offline i could tell you some stuff so <laughs> of how, how far the village went for me i i can't i can only imagine i can only imagine if i could share one story that i that i'm able to share and it has to do with writing and it has to do with malcolm gladwell and it has a, and it has a writing tip in it that i tried to pass on to um, young people i remember I picked my mom up. I've moved my mom out of Red Hook Project. She still goes back to Red Hook. She still is still connected to our community there. Like I'm still connected to our community there. But there, before we moved my mom out of Red Hook Project, I remember I picked her up and I took her out to eat. And we'd go to eat and then I'd take her back to Red Hook. And I pushed her upstairs in our apartment and I'm leaving. And, I'm, and I ran into this guy who was like an uncle to me. His name is Banana Joe. This dude had the funniest name, Banana Joe. However, he was like six foot six. He had hands that were as big as a baseball mitt and nobody messed with him. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why they called him Banana Joe. I think it had to do with his, com his complexion because he was light, like me. And this is, I'll never forget what happened. I'm walking out of the project and he says, T. Like, turn around, there he is. He said, come here, come here. I go over to him. He said, What's up? I heard I heard you writing books. I said, Yeah, you know, I'm trying to do my thing. He said, What you write about? And I said, um, you know what? And I didn't even get to say what I write about. He interrupted me. He said, Look, you need to be writing about us. You need to be writing about what goes on out here. You, you know how the news is always making us look? you need to tell the truth and I was like that's what I write about wow and he said you serious and I said yeah I said I'm serious and so fast forward we had old timers day old timers day happens in Red Hook every summer it's not gonna happen in this summer because of the quarantine probably and because of the pandemic but we were in the in the back of Red Hook at Coffee Park and thousands of people are there 
who live in Red Hook Projects, who've left Red Hook Projects and come back to connect with, you know, the Red Hook Roots. I'm there and I see him. And I came there with a copy of Secret Saturdays. Ah, no way. Hoping I would run into him. And I, I ran right up to him and I was like, Joe, Joe, and he was like, what's up? And I said, remember what I told you I write about, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, this is it. And I showed him and instantly he sees the cover of the book. And on the cover of the, the hardcover is a picture of this abandoned factory in the back of our housing projects. They call it the gray house. And as soon as he saw it, he said, what you know about this building? And I said, what do I know about this building? And I opened up to the scene where the boys first go into the gray house. And instantly, he said, y'all still do that? He said, man, we used to do that when we were teenagers back in the 70s. Wow. So, so I felt, I felt, um, I felt really proud because he was proud. He was like, yeah, you're not going and, and leaving and writing about these things. You're actually writing about you're circling it back to the roots that helped you blossom. The world, the universe created you for a reason. Mm -hmm. 
And who, and like the Hamilton song, who tells your story? Who's going to tell your story if not you? Mm -hmm. Zendaya has this saying, Zendaya, the actress, she said, um, you know, be yourself because everybody else is horrible at being mm -hmm. you. And that's what I try to do when I write. When I write, I try to be 100% authentic, real, and something magical happens. When you're really real, it gives people permission to reveal their real. Mm -hmm. And I... it happens one day when Secret Saturdays um, was on my desk in school, this boy, he comes in, this boy's an alpha male. You know, he's the type of kid that teachers are scared of, students are scared of. He, he's like one of those great white sharks that, you know, kind of like floats through the hall with his crew. Mm -hmm. And he takes his time. He gets to his next class late. And he, he will come to my class and put his hand around me. Not anymore because he's graduated, but he would come and be like, yo, tell people I'm your, that you're my uncle. Aren't we related? He would claim me. We had a, an amazing bond. I remember he saw Secret Saturdays and he didn't know that I wrote it. Wow. He said, he said what's this? And I said, um, I wrote that. He said, stop lying. I said, no, no, I wrote it. Look at it. He goes, you didn't write this. And he didn't believe it because, like, I didn't believe when I was growing up, how many published authors were in our community? How many were, like, real? And, and I said, no, look, I will flip to the back and I said, see my big head? That's the, who's that? And he's like, oh, for real? Let me borrow it. So he borrows it. Next day he comes back and gives me the book. And I'm bummed. I'm thinking, he didn't read the book. Because I know he doesn't like to read. And he only had the book for one night. And I said, did you read this book? And he said, yeah. He said, quiz me. So I started quizzing him. He knew everything about the book. Wow. I said, you read this book? He said, I read it last night. He said, I just read it, sat down, I couldn't put it down. And this is what he did. He gives me the book back. He opens up his book bag. He pulls out a spiral notebook. He had three notes. pages of his handwriting. Not, not notes on my, on my book. He told me, I want you to help me to write my life story. Wow. That's, wow. That's powerful. And that's, that's one of the missions that I'm on as a teacher and as a writer is not just to show how powerful writing is to smash chains of intergenerational poverty and inter other intergenerational chains. But part of my, my mission as a teacher and a writer is to show the magic that's in any writer is in every kid. Every, mm -hmm. And that with the right support, like you said, you know, we got that support. If we can support our young people, we talk about we need diverse books. If we encourage our young people to write, Imagine what it'll do to the canon of literature. Game over. Game over. Game over. That's such a powerful story. That's such a powerful story. Wow. Wow. And, 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 and it's, it's something that it's a message that I often have to repeat with young people because, like I said, I work in, um, I, I, I teach in a school where I'm teaching the children of people I went to school with. I decided to return to my hometown to teach. And, you know, the, the sense of self-worth for marginalized, disenfranchised young people, our sense of self-worth is already so low 
that we have to really remind young people often what you what your experience is worth writing down your experience is worth writing down and and now when they say how do you know our experience is worth writing down i'm like well i have my first book i have my second book i'm living proof that our experience is worth writing down and people want to hear them too right and people want to hear them it gives other like you said it gives people permission it gives people permission to write their stories yes the, the reason why I was the reason why I was SOS and stuck on stupid when you you, you had said people want to hear them is I love that compliment. I was just taking it in. I was like, yeah, people want to hear my stories. Yeah, they do, they hear they our do. Stories. yeah. It's insane. So I have like two more questions, and yeah. I think one of the, one of them you hit on a little bit. So, um, how have all of these experiences um, impacted you in like fatherhood? Um, I love talking to male authors and just picking their brain about that and them telling me what that growth looked like um, in being a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was an anthology that came out called We Rise, We Resist. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing anthology um, that is in schools and libraries everywhere. And it was brought together by um, Cheryl Hudson, Cheryl Willis Hudson, and also Wade Hudson. And Cheryl Willis Hudson and Wade Hudson are our writing royalty. They're our Michelle Obama, they're our Barack Obama. Wade is our chief of state and, and Cheryl is our first lady. So you can imagine how it felt when they asked me to be a part of the sequel to that anthology. And the sequel to that anthology is coming out this fall. It's called The Talk. And they they told me, they said, listen, we heard you speak and we want you to write in the anthology. So once again, I was like, you had me at, (laughs) you know, we want, I was like, yes, I don't don't care how much you pay. I'm, I'm there, I'm doing it. And this is where things took a turn. When they said they wanted me to write, Secret Saturdays is told from a boy's perspective. Tight is told from a boy's perspective. What Lane is told from a boy's perspective. So reflexively, I thought they wanted me to write. You know what they told me? They said, listening to you talk about your mother, listening to you talk about your sisters, listening to you talk about your daughter, we want you to write something that ties together your mom, your sisters, and your daughter. I was like, you want me to write something from, like, towards a, a, it was such a challenge. And I'm happy to report that I wrote a story. I wrote, I wrote a letter to my daughter, Ava. It's called Dear Ava. And it, it, it's um, going to be in the anthology. Well, it's in the anthology, and it's coming out on this fall. So circling back to your question of, like, what, how, what was poured into me from my mom and from my community that I now pour and I irrigate my, my daughter and nourish her with is um, some messages that you read when you read that letter. But one of them is the importance of family. Mm. You know, my, my daughter's an only child. So in, in the letter, one of the things I do is I encourage her to find family. 
and his the trick. Like, how is she gonna find brothers and sisters, like the siblings that I had, when she doesn't have siblings? And I told their allies, you know, you have to find allies. And and in in the letter, I share an acronym for friends that I learned along the way. So and it really breaks down what a friend is, what a friend does. And it gives you a recipe for, okay, this is a friend, people who don't do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I need to read that. Wow. Because that's, like you said, that's, you would assume it would be based on your other writing experiences, but this is totally different. It's something you've been doing for a long time, but it's totally different in regards yeah. to the writing part. It, writing that letter to Ava was simultaneously the most challenging yet rewarding thing that I had to do. And why, cha- why challenging? It's like someone sits you down and they're like, Gary, um, explain the secrets of the universe. You got 30 mm-hmm. seconds, let's go. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I distill it? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when the Hudsons came to me and they tasked me with, try to integrate what your mom taught you, what your community taught you, and what your sisters taught you, and dovetail it, integrate it with um, what you're trying to teach your daughter, you know, to help her rise. It, you know, I had to really go to the drawing board and think back ask myself what was most important in helping me go from Red Hook Projects to rising to being a teacher for over 20 years and also an author. Um, and then it's, she said it's a short story. It's, like it's only two, it's about two pages. Wow. I have, so that, yeah, that I'm, I'm not allowed to divulge all of the information. <laughs> However, I have to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a secret. Ready? Well, so the Hudsons, they read the letter and they said, the way you wrote this letter, we can see it. We can see what you're saying. It reads like a graphic novel. And that, that circles back to, it was comics that hooked me to books, right? Hooked me to the world of writing. And they asked me, they said, would you like, and this is one of those questions again, where people ask you, and you're like, what? <laughs> you're asking me? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> they, they said, would you like us to hire an illustrator, a graphic novelist, to create panels that illustrate everything that you say inside the letter? Dude, the person who illustrates my letter is one of the hottest, dopest Marvel Comics illustrators in the game. That's, that's crazy. Yo, I've, I've died and I've gone to publishing heaven. What else can you ask for? Right? What else can you ask for? Wow. Anything else you want to share with us? <laughs> Um, when is this? When 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 can people see this? What the the book? 
Yeah. The the talk the talk is out this fall. So this, this fall. September, October. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I guess this is this is a good segue into um, what lane. So like just I'm haven't read the book yet. I'm sure lots of people on here haven't read the book, or if they have read the book, it's on order, et cetera, et cetera. Um, give me the pitch. Yeah. It. Look at that cover. When I saw the cover online, I was like, how do you not want to read that book? Like, just your mind is just, I, I know what's in my mind and what I'm thinking. And I've heard those words so many times, just like within my life. Um, give me the, like, give me the pitch. Give me the book. Yeah, well, 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 that's, that's, um, one of the things that I wanted to do with the title, I wanted the title to immediately evoke a reaction where that that you had. So what what comes to mind when you when you it's honestly when you it's see what like, lane? Literally for me, it's been throughout my entire life, and it's one of those things where like growing up in an all black community, going to schools that very much did not look like me, but we also had our bubbles of um, groups of people that we hung out with. And that group of people continuously kind of travel together to different schools. And as you know, and like you said, as you get to different schools with different people, you experience different things, um, different things, different experiences allow you to see more. Um, and then you have options. And sometimes those options sway you different ways based on people, based on privilege based on money, based on so many different things. And often those two circles don't usually get along (laughs) and you have to decide like which lane are you staying in? And sometimes when you sway to one lane, it has a consequence because you know, like you have to, like you, are you this way or are you that way? And that's just been kind of, I wouldn't say my entire life, but for the most part, like I've, had to experience that growing up, going to university, being on, deciding to do like yearbook or student council or whatever the case may be, right? Um, so those words itself, like what lane has just been something that I've heard over and over and over again my entire life. So I can only imagine what the book is about. And then especially you have the cover where there's like, I'm pretty sure there's three different people like in regards to race, like. That's yeah. You got you got Stephen, who looks like Stephen Curry, and mm-hmm. in the book they were they friends call him that. They're like, hey, Stephen Curry, he looks just like a, a uh, no tween way. Stephen Curry. Over here, you got his white friend Dan, and over here you got his straight African American friend. Crazy Wes. That's crazy. And That's Stephen crazy. is mixed. He's mm-hmm. half white. He's also half black. So, you know, <laughs> truest fact. You you told me to give a pitch for the book. You just pitched the book. That's what the book is about. Everything you just said, set in Brooklyn. Crazy. And then you throw in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. You throw in all of this stuff that's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, that's what this book is about. And it's crazy. um, One of the things I talked about at NCTE you know, I was invited to speak at the Disrupt Texts panel, and I got up and I had said, you know, when I was a kid, I needed this book, a book about lanes, when people tell you stay in your lane. What? Mm-hmm. What lane? Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to stay in? 
And I needed a book that taught me how to navigate a duality, how to switch lanes, how to code mm-hmm. switch, how to avoid certain traps, how to, you know, steer. I needed this book. And, but I also needed a book that talked about, you know, the criminalization of kids, which this book does. I needed a book that talked about racial profiling, which this book does. I need this book that I need a book that talked about racism. This book does that talks about white privilege and white blindness. This book talks about that, about the importance of allies. This book talks about it, you know, confirmation bias. I needed a book about that. This book talks about it. But here's the thing that I said at NCTE. If I put up a word wall and in that on that word wall. I had words like confirmation bias, police brutality, criminalization of kids, police profiling, all of that stuff. My students would walk out of the room. They wouldn't be interested if I told you that it was, that's what the book was about. So my challenge was, how do I write a book for middle schoolers that they would feel is unputdownable mm-hmm. and has all that stuff in there? So I wrote this book and... I'm really happy because social media is showing me, you know, librarians, parents are posting pictures of their children. And it, one lady today, a teacher here in New York, she posted a picture. She said she opened up the package, pulled this book out. Her son took the book. Her white son takes the book and he won't even give her the book back, her own book. He, he's reading the book so hard. And, and it's one of like, what lane is a phrase that it's not a, it's, it's a phrase that's been said so many times and it, it never, it, it will not get old. Like it's just something you'll continuously hear over and over and over again. The meat and the meaning itself like hasn't changed. Like it's exactly what it is. So again, you the cover and the title itself has got me for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah I, 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 um, you know, I joke about making us making a home run for literacy mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. home run for kids recently i was literally invited to keynote speak at yankee stadium oh my God. to a group right like i'm like wait you you know I'm, I'm speaking at yankee stadium and i got to speak to principals um regional leaders um district superintendents and i told them about the title of this book what lane you, when you were talking about how this term will never get old, I had superintendents who were twice, you know, nearly twice my age telling me, oh my God, we, were, we just had a meeting where we were talking about that, See? about staying in your crazy. lane. About- it's, not, it's crazy. Because it's not just for kids. Like, I think adults are still, adults still have this, like you said, adults are still having the same exact conversation about lanes. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's, some, it's amazing. That is yeah, amazing, the, dude. The, the pressure that's put on me, though, to come up with a, a equally good title for my next books. I'm like, when you have what lane as a title, you know, people are like, all right, so what's going to be your next title? I'm like, oh, my God, I got to live I, up to it. I can't even imagine. I talked to um, Fred and Min about just like the pressures of like the next book and the next book, um, because it seems like what it seems like. And I don't know. Um, that you finish a book, you're pushing it out, you're 
talking to kids about it, talking to educators. And then oftentimes you're like ready to go. Like you, you're starting something else and the pressures of getting that like kind of groove back yeah. is hard. Like, cause you're on yeah. this super high, right? And you're consistently yeah. producing. Producing is yeah. hard. Producing well, well is you really know hard. about this cause you know, you exercise, right? You said you could do 20 to 40 flights and I could do maybe eat 20 to 40, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Twinkies. <laughs> but, 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 but you know, like if you get into a groove of fitness, that momentum, you know, it's mm. like the, that a Newtonian law of physics, uh, an object in motion stays in motion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that that is a part of the literary game for some authors where, you know, they put out one book and they're already working on that second book and they're already working on that third book and then they crank, keep cranking them out um, because there was a gap, a big gap between my first book and my second book. And this is where I have to um, talk about community again. There's a, there's a member of our community, his name is Eric Velasquez, and he is an amazing illustrator. He's a critically acclaimed, award-winning illustrator, Eric Velasquez. And we were at a fair together at a book fair. And this is when Secret Saturdays was out and I hadn't even thought about my next book. I hadn't even thought about Tight yet. And he comes up to my table and he goes, what's up? And I was like, yeah, just you know, over here, you know, pushing Secret Saturdays. He's like, after after everything is over, I wanna wanna talk to you. I said, All right, whatever, you know. So I felt, I felt my belly flop. I, I to be honest, you know, honestly, like the way he said it, it was like when I told you the story about Banana Joe, you know, he, he it was like the uncle, like the big brother brothering you. Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk to you afterwards. So I was like, damn, what did I do? <laughs> like, I'm in trouble. So after I go up to him and he's like, sit down, sit down. And I was like, oh, damn, you know, it's, it's about to go down. He's like, sit down. I'm like, what did I do? Like, did I like step on somebody's toes in our, you know, literary community? Like, you just spit it out. And he says to me, he says, um, yo, you know, Secret Saturdays is it's a good book. Said, Thank you. What's next? He asked him straight up, what's next? And I said, um, you know, you know, I'm I'm trying to, you know, I'm I'm a, a lead teacher at my school, and that is that he he interrupted me. He said, Listen, I get that from you. I see I see your aura. You know, super teacher. You love your children, you love your students. That'll never go away. He said, You'll you'll always love your kids. He's like, but do you realize the rare opportunity that you've been given? that the door, the publishing door has been opened for you. And you actually got the chops, you actually could write. He's like, do you realize that, yes, we need black male teachers. Yes, we need Afro-Latino teachers. We need Latino teachers. Yeah, we need, we need us in the classroom. But do you also know that we need us as writers? Kids need to see you as an author. And, you know, it reminded me of that Andre 3000 song. You know, the Andre 3000, um, Outkast, they had the Rosa Parks song. Mm-hmm. And, and Andre says, you know, um, I went to a gypsy to hit me to some mind game to stimulate the left and right brain. She said, baby boy, you're only as funky as your last cut. If you focus on the past, 
be a ass or be a has what. And he really woke me up like that. He, he, he was telling me, you keep staying with one book, talking about one book, and your ass is going to be a has what. You need to write. And it lit such a fire under me that that plus some other things, it made, it made tight just explode out of me. And, wow. and, and, and then what lane? You know, so how do you me. how do you manage that then with obviously being so involved with school? Did, did you the, see Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. <laughs> Remember how Tim Robbins gets out of jail? I write the way Tim Tim Robbins escaped from jail. I can only imagine because, like, dude, you're a father too, right? Like, you are doing it all. So, and I. Yeah. Again, but well, these bags under my eyes are, are from a reason for a reason. <laughs> Dude, like I can, again, I take my hat off the office. You're able to to pump out one book. Like I know the work and the effort that comes in, just like getting your mindset around that. And then on top of that, they're doing other stuff too. Like you're, yeah. you have a group of kids that you're responsible for. Yeah. And on top of that, you're a father as well. Yeah. And then whatever I, else. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by all of the authors who are able to um, do this, be a teacher and also be an author, and they maintain their hairline. Because look what it did to me, man. <laughs> you know, when I started out writing, I, I had, my haircut looked like your haircut. <laughs> I need a haircut right now. <laughs> now you, it, it's, it's looking swaggy, man. You look good. <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't even know. I think I could talk to you forever, dude. This is probably going to be like a. <laughs> this is probably going to be like a three-part series. Yeah, well, that, that'd be cool. <laughs> I, I love chopping it up with you. Where Where can people find you? Well, um, people could find me in different places. One on Twitter, at my first name and last name at Tori Maldonado. They can also find me on Instagram at, at Tori Maldonado. It's funny because um, I was at a book festival recently and someone asked me if I'm on the gram. And I said, yeah, I'm on the gram. And they, and they accessed my page and they were like, this looks like a fake account. <laughs> so I'm new to Instagram, but I'm on Instagram. Uh, also, people can find me at my website. It's um, ForeMaldonado.com. Uh, dude, I want to just thank you for spending time lots of time with me and not just like you know and one of the reasons why again i like doing this not just talking about what most people know you for but like really diving into community why you do what you do um giving me some insight on family and making me feel that connection like hearing stories from you allowing me to reminisce about my family like that is that is why I like doing this, man. This is why, why I find, try to find people that I can relate to as much as possible on whatever, whatever connection. Listen, I appreciate it. You know, the t listen, the, the title of my book is What Lane? And our lane is a two-way street. This is a mutual mm. appreciation society. I, you know, I appreciate having this time with you as much as you, know, you have, you know, appreciate having me on. Nice. I can't wait to actually hear the podcast because oh, it's gonna be swagged out podcast, man. When you when, when the pause when the, when when you fade in, personal, personal, personal. I was like, what? Is he gonna do that tomorrow? And then you got the music too. 
so hook me up. I can't wait to hear it. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs>